Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. We meet again, we Molly. Meet, we meet again. <laughs> it is a gorgeous day in the Pacific Northwest today. Absolutely so gorgeous. So nice. It was like 65. We can't get used to this. No, not like yesterday. Rain, darkness, mm. cold. Today, gorgeous blue sky, sunshine. They tell me it's called sunshine. I didn't really know that's what it was called. <laughs> And it's warm outside and all the flowers are blooming and the trees and it's just so nice. It really, and really rabbits. changes our, yeah. Lots of rabbits. Lots of rabbits. Really changes my mood when the sunshine finally arrives. Mm -hmm. And for the rest of you who don't live in the Pacific Northwest, you take your sunshine for granted. But trust me, when you don't see the sun for six months out of the year, <laughs> it's really nice when it shows up. Absolutely. And then like next week, by the time, you know, we've had like, four days of sunshine in a row, I'm It'll like, starting again. I'm going to be like, this is too much. Yeah. Go away. God damn it. But, but you know, we're never happy, are we? <laughs> we're never satisfied. No. I mean, we do get to live in a really beautiful area. I mm -hmm. mean, it is really pretty here, but my God, the green, you pay mm -hmm. for it with your, you do with your mood. depression and your mood and your <laughs> mental health. So Carol, um, you know what the spring brings, don't you? Rabbits. Yes, and sunshine. Sunshine. And what do you like to do on a warm spring night in the Pacific Northwest? I like to go and and get um, elephant ears and possibly see some cool tricks <laughs> at... You know what I'm going to say. At... At the Ringling Brothers Circus. At the circus. That's right. The circus. Well, the adult version is uh, Cirque du Soleil. So, but <laughs> That's yeah. That's true. That's what it's kind of morphed <laughs> into, isn't it? Now, I am going to be telling you today the story of the haunted Ringling Brothers Circus. I had no idea it was haunted. Well, it's not necessarily, but the whole story is kind of cool. And there's definitely some paranormal elements that we're going to get into today. I mean, you had me at circus. I know. That alone is fun. Circus alone. It's um, There's so much mystery and mm -hmm. intrigue and all the crazy things you see at a circus. Like, yes. What a great way to be entertained back in the day before you had radio and TV. Yeah, we should the go train, back to the that. The train pulls in and all these crazy looking people get out and you're just like, what is going on? They've got lions with them. Like, what? Why does that woman have a beard? Like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's great. Mm -hmm. So anyway, let me tell you the story of the Reeling Brothers and why they have paranormal activity. All right. I'm settled in. I'm ready to listen. Okay, here we go. Our story begins when a German immigrant named August Rienling moved to America and settled in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the mid-1800s. He met and he married a French immigrant named Marie Salome Julliard. Ooh, yeah, thank you. Good. Yeah, that's a nice Excellent. French name. The two wasted no time in getting busy and having a bunch of kids. The couple ended up having seven boys oh, and boy. one girl. Al was the oldest son, followed by Gus, then Otto, then Alf T. His name was Alfred Theodore, but they called him Alf T, apparently. 
Charles, John, and then Henry. Their youngest was a daughter named Ida. August and Marie raised their sons to be very hard workers and to take on a lot of responsibilities around the home. August made his living creating horse harnesses, and he expected his sons would follow him in learning this trade. But that plan all changed one day in August of 1870 when the circus came to town. August was asked to do some work for the circus. I think he was working on the repairing some horse harnesses and stuff. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he was given tickets to the show. So he gave the tickets to his sons and said, go and enjoy the circus, boys. The brothers went to the circus and they were mesmerized by this small circus. The animal acts, the aerial acts, the straw man, you know, everything they saw was just incredible to them. So when they came home, they could not stop talking about it. The oldest son, Al, who was almost 20 years old at this point, he decided that he wanted to start a circus of his own, and he recruited his brothers, Alf T., Otto, and Charles, to join him. So they started practicing in their backyard to ride their horse, standing upright on its back Ooh. like they saw in the circus. Yeah. They practiced juggling, and they made their own costumes. Then they started performing for crowds in their small town. Their performances were not so great, but... <laughs> Every great act has to start somewhere, right, Carol? Mm, that's right. So despite the lackluster reviews, Ellen and the brothers took their show on the road. They traveled to various halls throughout small towns, performing for the townsfolk. And even though they weren't the best act, they were starting to build name recognition. So as these brothers progressed, they learned musical instruments and some legitimate tricks of their trade that they used to perform in front of their audiences. So they started to really develop some circus skills mm -hmm. as they were going along. Al became an expert juggler and could even balance a plow on his chin. Now, it's like the, the plow, the long stick with the hook at the end. Oh, okay. I don't think it means like an actual machine. Mm -hmm. It's just like that the instrument you use by hand. Um, as they got better, so did their audience numbers. Eventually, when they returned to their hometown, which was now Baraboo, Wisconsin, they got themselves a big, big tent, and they put it up in a vacant lot in Baraboo. In 1884, the brothers kicked off their next big circus tour in Baraboo under that big, big top. Hmm. With their newly revamped circus, they took off on horse and wagon to travel around the country again, sharing their circus with all the little towns along the way. As the circus, cool. yeah, very cool. As the circus grew, John Renlane, who was still a teen, joined his brother's company. He joined the circus carol before he even started high school. Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty great, huh? <laughs> and remember John, because he will come back around here in the story. Okay. As the circus grew, each brother took on a different role. Al became the brother in charge of performances, and he decided what acts would be in the circus. Charles was the site manager. Alf T. was in charge of promotions and marketing. John was the booking manager to ensure that they had venues to play at in each town. And Otto was in charge of finances. All of the brothers were very good at their designated jobs. Alf T. was the brother in charge of marketing and promotions, and he was very good at it. There was no television in these days, so he had huge posters put up all over the towns advertising the circus. He paid big, beefy men 
to put the posters up and then to stand there and guard them to ensure no one could rip them down. So there was these circus wars, right? And other circuses were trying to come and compete with their circus. I didn't know that. I didn't either. And they would come and they would see that they've used up all the advertising wall space and Mm -hmm. they try to rip down their posters and put up their posters. So there was a legitimate street war over who was going to be able to advertise their circus. Mm -hmm. And in fact, some of these wars ended up in murder. Some people got murdered over this. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal apparently back in those days. Yeah. So, well, circus people are always, you know, a little bit, little, little sketchy. bit, um, dancing to the beat of their own drummer types. Yeah, for sure, I agree. The five brothers split all the profits from their circus equally. They made all big decisions equally. They argued about the decisions, Carol, and fought sometimes. But once, but once the decision was made, they all stood by it. It kept their partnership strong. Eventually, the circus grew so large that the brothers used trains to move the circus from town to town instead of horse and wagon. The show had doubled in size, which included 130 horses, five camels, four elephants, three lions, a hippo, and many circus performers. Hippo? A hippo. That's unusual. Uh, Yeah. Al's wife, Louise, became a bareback horse rider, a snake charmer, and Al's right-hand man in running the circus. Eventually, the last two reeling brothers, Gus and Henry, also joined the family business. Gus handled the advanced cars ahead of the circus, and Henry was the superintendent of the front door. The circus got so large that they even had their own post office that traveled with them on the train. Hmm. That's kind of cool. That is awesome. They had a barber shop and a dining hall that fed 1,200 people three times a day. Is that how many people ran the circus? I think that's all their performers, all their staff. Yes. When they had everything set up, their tents covered 14 acres of land. And six days a week after each performance, they would tear everything down, get back on the train, and disappear into the night as swiftly as they had come. So every night, for six nights in a row, they would tear everything down and go. Hmm. They were they were hell-bent on hitting every town they could. They're kind of like a Taylor Swift concert in that way. <laughs> of course, she didn't come to Portland, but whatever, no, Taylor. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> then in May of 1892, the Reeling brothers experienced a terrible accident. Their train drove straight onto a bridge that had been washed away in a prior storm. The train collapsed into the river below. The accident killed four people and multiple animals and injured several of the performers. However, they were back performing within days. You know, the show must go on, Carol. And a few months later, they They had had, some good insurance. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't think insurance back in those (laughs) days, but I don't know. And a few months later, they replaced all of their losses and expanded even larger to the point that their big top could seat 12,000 people to watch their performances. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? It's a lot of people under one roof like that. Do you know, according to Circus Superstition, it's unlucky to wear green in the ring? I did not know that. Isn't Why is that? that? crazy? I yeah. have no idea. Maybe they're afraid of leprechauns. <laughs> I have no idea, but I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. John Reeling decided he wanted the Reeling Brothers Circus to grow even bigger and compete with Barnum and Bailey on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. He got his big break when in 1896, James Bailey decided to take his circus to Europe. 
He was gone for five years, Carol, during which time the Reeling Brothers Circus moved in to take over the East Coast Circus venues. When Bailey returned to the United States, he could hardly believe it. The Reeling Brothers, which he thought was just a bullshit circus at the time, Mm -hmm. had taken over and had far surpassed every other circus competitor that there was. When James Bailey died in 1906, John Reeling, who was the brother who joined them before he even started high school... He decided to buy out the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Okay. The Reeling Brothers had been the premier circus in the Midwest, and the Barnum and Bailey Circus had been the premier circus of the East Coast. But by buying out Barnum and Bailey, the Reeling Brothers would be the premier circus of the vast majority of the country. It was no easy feat for John to convince his brothers to buy out Barnum and Bailey. But once he was able to convince his brother and circus financial wizard Otto to do it, they together were able to slowly win over the other brothers. Brother Charles, however, never liked the idea and held a grudge against John that affected their relationship for the rest of their lives. In 1907, the brothers bought Barnum and Bailey for $410,000. At first, the brothers ran both circuses separately. After the brilliant sale, John Reeling's star really took off, and he was dubbed the greatest millionaire alive by Fortune magazine. So obviously they're making some good money. Yeah. I know this is the background of the show of the story of these oh, no, brothers. I'll get great. to the paranormal stuff. No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, isn't this a paranormal podcast, Holly? Come no, on. No, I said you had me at circus. I'm I just know. like hearing it's, it's about a, the circus. It's pretty interesting. So the Reeling brothers were so wealthy at this point that they could have easily retired. But they loved their jobs so much that they stayed on until they all passed away. In 1907, Gus Reenling died first of health complications. Then Otto died in 1911, but I'm not sure how he died. Al Reenling died in 1916 of something called Bright's disease. Don't know that, about uh, that. Yeah, I looked it up, but I can't remember what it, what it was. He had divorced his wife, Louise, two years prior in 1914. A few months later, uh, Alf T. died. By 1919, the only two brothers left were John and Charles, the two brothers with the most strained relationship. It was the only well-known rift in the Reenling family. Due to the limited resources for supplies and transportation, as the United States got ready to head into World War I and the mounting pressure to keep their circuses going, the two brothers decided to join the circuses into one. They renamed it the Reenling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, which I think is what you and I know it as. Yes. <laughs> when they merged them together, it truly became the greatest show on earth as they blended the best of both circuses under one big top. With 2,000 employees, 400 horses, 25 elephants, and 30 camels, not to mention the lions and tigers, oh my. After combining the two shows, the Reeling Brothers raked in millions of dollars. They both ventured into real estate and bought property in Sarasota, Florida. John started buying up the property there right away and was the largest landholder of Sarasota. Then Charles built a huge house there too and both started banks in the Sarasota area. John invested in oil wells and railroads. They both bought boats and tried to compete with each other with their toys and investments. (laughs) However, all of this competition did nothing but deteriorate their relationship and eventually the two brothers quit speaking to each other altogether. Even on Charles's deathbed, John was not allowed to see him. Soon after Charles died, so did John's wife, Mabel. He never ventured much to Florida after that. In October of 1929, John, the last Reeling brother, lost his entire fortune in the stock market crash that launched the Great Depression. 
It ended him in a million dollars of debt. Mm. So in 1931, he handed down or was voted out of control. I wasn't sure which was the true story Mm -hmm. of the circus. And it went to the next generation of the Reeling family. In 1936, John passed away. He was the only Reeling brother that lived into his 70s. He had once been one of the wealthiest men in America, but when he died, he had $311 in his bank account. During this time, the cost to move the circus was becoming increasingly more expensive. And to make matters worse, small carnivals were popping up in small towns across America as a form of entertainment that competed with the circus for patrons. Bouncy houses. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And then television came along, which shrunk the circus audience even further. In 1967, the Rainley family finally sold the rights to the circus to a rock and roll promoter, Irving Feld. And on May 21st, 2017, the company closed for good. Yep. Animal mm. rights activists. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. That and it was harder to, you know, it was the reputation of the, how the circus treated performers and animals. Yep. Um, mounting competition for entertainment. I remembered the whole thing back yeah. then and yeah they were really pressured to shut it down and that was kind of around the time too that they were really um petitioning against sea world yeah any yeah. of those types of exhibits I've that heard that they are talking animals. about bringing the circus back but without animals which uh-huh. wouldn't be quite the same but that's kind of Cirque du Soleil right that is Cirque du Soleil yeah yeah, yeah. except for um there is like a form of that that does horse tricks and things like that um so it just depends like if they can prove that these animals they'd have to have a representative there that was like the animal rights person with them all Mm -hmm. the time to make sure the animals are not being mistreated or something yeah yeah probably but yeah it's too bad because it was um quite a a sight to see when i was doing all my research all these old videos of the Mm -hmm. circus trains but Again, you know that those animals are probably not being treated very well. So it's hard to enjoy that. So what is so paranormal about the Reeling Brothers story? So again, I I went back to the well and I like this show. uh, I think it's on the Travel Channel called Hometown Horror. I haven't heard that. It's kind of cool. That was the one I got the Pigman from. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I went back and I watched this one. And so apparently the town of Baraboo, Wisconsin where the brothers lived and established their circus, is said to be very haunted by the Reenling family. Cool. So in the town of Baraboo is a circus museum that celebrates the town's past and its birthplace as the Reenling Brothers Circus. It is filled with vintage circus cages, railroad cars, and artifacts from back in the day when the Reenling Brothers moved their circus through the small towns of the Midwest. Employees of the museum have felt watched in the museum, and they've heard strange sounds. One of the employees, a man named Harold Burdick, saw a shadow man pass in front of him. It scared him so badly he ran out of the building. In addition to the museum, the town of Baraboo is home to the Al Reenling Theater. Al Reenling built a beautiful theater there in 1915 as a tribute to his hometown. Today, it is still a working center for the performing arts. And actually, I think it's also a movie theater. And it is quite haunted. Theater employee Mary Schaefer encountered a shadow man in the theater that filled her with dread when she encountered him. Many people believe the shadow man is the ghost of Al Reenling himself. However, she also remembers when she was a child watching a film in the theater with her dad. Mary saw the ghost of a young boy above the organ pipes who he wore a newsboy cap 
white shirt that was rolled up to his elbows, suspenders, and pants that were rolled up to his knees. He was watching the film with the audience, though he was way above the audience. Oh, God. She, she pointed him out to her father, who could not see him at all. Oh, my goodness. At the time, it did not occur to her that she was looking at a ghost. After she got a job at the theater as an adult, she went to turn off the lights one night and saw the same boy. Not remembering him at first from her childhood, she apologized to him for turning off the lights, thinking he was an, a real person. Mm -hmm. And as she's watching him, he starts coming closer to her, and he appeared to be moving his lips as if he was talking to her, but she could not hear what he was saying. And then in a blink of an eye, he disappeared right in front of her. Mary was so freaked out, she took off out of the theater. She finally remembered that was the same boy she had seen as a little girl. And this figure was just like floating above the chairs or just like up I think in the rafters? The, when she saw him as an adult, mm -hmm. I think he was just walking down the hall towards oh, her. Oh, just walking yeah, down the hall. Yeah, but as a girl, she remembers him being above the organ. Ugh. Right across the street from the Al Reeling Theater in Baraboo is Al Reeling's mansion. So this man named Joe Colosso now owns the Al Reeling Mansion. Joe and his wife and kids moved in and they found in one of the upstairs bedrooms... There was a swing attached to the ceiling, a swing for children. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that the, Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> that the Reenling kids would play on. So I think the descendants of the brothers. Yes. Get so, them doing their trapeze <laughs> tricks that's right. early on. That's right. So Joe and his wife, Carmen, put in a new swing in the same location for their kids to play on. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. One day, they noticed that the swing was swinging all by itself, as if someone was swinging <laughs> on it. And they were like, okay, whatever. There was no breeze. The windows were not open. There was no air running throughout their home. I suppose they probably just shrugged this off. But then they noticed that in the summertime, the temperatures inside their house would get very hot, sometimes up into the 100 degree mark. But when they were around the swing, it was freezing cold to the point they thought they could see their own breath. Oh, yeah. That's a That's ghost. That's a ghost. That is For definitely sure. a ghost. Jill and Carmen decided to look into the history of the home. It turns out that Al Reenling had actually died in that house in 1916. Okay. So one day, Joe said he's downstairs, and he happens to glance into the mirror in the dining room, and he sees Al Reenling, oh, and he's dressed in a black suit with a high white collar, and Al doesn't seem to notice him, but he just walks to the front door as, as if he's going outside. And Joe watches him walk out the front door of the house so the door doesn't open or make any sounds. In further exploration of the home, Joe and Carmen also discovered that Al had an underground tunnel built between his mansion and the theater across the street. And well, that's convenient. They believe that perhaps the shadow man seen in the theater was actually Al Reenling himself, and he traveled between the theater and the house via the underground tunnel. And the ghost boy seen in the theater was the one swinging on their swing in their home, again using the tunnels underground. Oh, yeah. I so like that, that theory. Sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another Baraboo resident, a guy named Mark Tolley, backs up the tunnel theory. However, they cannot find the location of the tunnels, and they are not marked on any blueprints. So they're not entirely sure if these tunnels actually exist. Perhaps it's just a rumor. Mark has worked in the Al Reeling Theater as well and heard many strange sounds such as scratching and knocks coming from inside the walls. Mm -hmm. he, he said that a ghost story arose from the theater that some young boys had waited until the movie they were watching had ended and then started going through the theater to have an adventure. They slipped into an area that took them behind the walls and could not find their way back out and perished inside the walls of the theater. Or in the tunnel that's or underneath. Or in the tunnel. Now, now their ghosts, the, the theory is now their ghosts remain trapped in the theater and in the secret tunnels forever. 
I don't know that there's any actual evidence that this happened, but that's just a theory. Yeah, they hadn't, they didn't find any bones or anything, I and don't they don't even so. know if they yeah tunnels exist. Or... Exactly. This would explain the scratching sounds they heard in the walls and the vision of the boy that Mary had seen in the theater. But there is no evidence that this ever actually happened. So who knows? Hmm. Now Good there story. are other strange things about Baraboo, Wisconsin, um, besides the bears. Too. The the bears like to jump out and scare you with a baraboo. <laughs> <laughs> Located near the railroad was the old baraboo inn. The old baraboo inn was a hot spot for circus performers and even mobsters. It was built in 1864 during the Civil War. It was originally built as a saloon on the bottom floor and a brothel on the upper floor. The historic old Baraboo Inn was the scene of many bloody gunfights and murders in its heyday. During Prohibition, Al Capone and his gang would hang out at the old Baraboo Inn. Oh, wow. Al was good to the people of the town, so they would hide him in the old Baraboo Inn when the police were looking for him. The old Baraboo Inn is said to be one of the most haunted locations in all of Baraboo, and its basement is said to be the worst part of the building. Because it was used by a lot of mobsters for criminal activity, the inn was the scene of quite a few murders, but nobody knows for sure how many. Included in the basement is a pole that still stands today and was said to be used for many of these executions over the years. People would be tied to the pole, tortured, and then murdered there. Because of the dark energy in the basement, the current owner, B.C. Farr, doesn't let anyone down there. However, a couple named Dennis Cattenkamp and his wife, Brenda Block, came to the old Baraboo Inn for a drink one night. B.C. decided to break his own rule and let Dennis go down into the basement and check it out. Uh-oh. When Dennis descended the stairs into the dark and creepy basement with his flashlight, he got the scare of his life. His flashlight blinked out on him, and the next thing he knew, something was on top of him and squeezing the life out of his body. Oh, my God. He finally managed to get away and ran upstairs. He said it really shook him up. So in order to face whatever energy lies in the basement, a small group of people decided to go back into the basement together, including the owner, B.C., Dennis again, his wife, Brenda, B.C.'s sister, Shelly, and a psychic named Perry Foster. Dennis was nervous about going back into the basement, but because he was going with the group, he felt a little bit better. When they went into the basement, Perry led the way. Perry immediately started to pick up on the way people were killed in the basement. He felt a sharpness in his chest like he was being stabbed. This is the psychic. This is the psychic, yes. The group all felt heavy and anxiety-ridden. B.C. showed the group the execution pole that is covered in bullet holes and dried blood. B.C. Oh. says no matter how many times he paints over it, the blood just keeps bleeding I was going to ask him, like, you'd think they'd clean the pole. Yeah, he can't. He tries. Oh my God, that is so scary. Perry says he thinks that there are some bodies buried directly below them. Oh, yeah. As they continue to search the dark basement, Perry's flashlight dies. BC's sister feels pain in her body, and Dennis also starts to feel sick. So the group decides to leave. As they ascend the stairs, Dennis said he felt something trying to stop him from leaving the basement, like something was trying to pull him back inside. <laughs> he made it out okay, and the group collects themselves after their dark field trip. This is one very haunted place. That's all I got for you guys tonight. Uh, please let us know what you think of the very haunted Reeling Brothers Circus or yes. the town of Baraboo, Wisconsin, really. You know, I think your two cats, Ash and Fig, Yeah. if you just put them on a diet, they're a little <laughs> bit too heavy right now you know to what? be part of the circus. It's because when I have cats, I 
let them outside and they eat mice. Well, no, they don't really eat that much mice. They eat a lot of friskies and friskies. They What's like that's cat food. Oh, it's it's heavy and gravy, and they they will come in for friskies. They love their friskies, but it puts some weight on the cats. Yeah, <laughs> and these they cats are, are humongous. And I feed them and I overindulge them because they're my babies. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I love you, kitty. Here's some food. And they're like, thanks I'm for the shortening food. I'm out their of life. Here. Yeah, I know. Okay, they're, they're probably out there. Right now, climbing a tree, thinking about what am I really doing with my you know life choices. It doesn't matter. They're happy. They are very happy. happy. They're very sweet kitties. And anyone who would like to adopt a cat, you should because they're the best. <laughs> Way better than dogs, right, Carol? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Carol's a dog person. I am a dog I'm a lover. Person. Carol's got two dogs. I have two cats. Mm-hmm. One day they'll meet, and there will be a fight to the death, and we'll yeah, find out World who wins. War Three. <laughs> And I believe your cats will win because <laughs> my dogs your are dogs the biggest are, wimps. They're very sweet, and uh, but they're small dogs, so my cats might have a cheese chance. involved. Oh, watch right. out! I know Snickers will be all <laughs> over that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Good night. Catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Cheers to us. Drink pause. <laughs> <laughs> shot, shot, shot. They both ventured into real estate and brought. Blah. You going to say something? All these exotic yeah. animals. Excuse me. Oh, nice burp. Oh, drink, drink. Drink pause. Drink pause. And then the lions attacking people. That probably didn't. Probably didn't you help. Know, yeah. Help. No. <laughs> I agree. Poor, help for poor kitty cat. <laughs> bringing the kids to no. the circus. <laughs> that lion hasn't eaten in a week. Get that little kid to that lion. <laughs> this is what we do at the circus. You know what I heard? I heard that the bears even haunt the place, and you can hear them saying, Bera, boo. <laughs> okay, Josh, you can cut that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Carol is that's, back. That's embarrassing. No. <laughs> Bear boo. It's cute. I live in Bear boo. It's Yogi. Me, bitches. Yeah. We're going to get some pick a neck basket. Yogi yo, yo, bear. Yo. yo, yo, yo. What is it? What did he used to say? Oh, they... He had a saying about picnic. Hey, Babu, let's get up. We're going to get up his get back. I, think... <laughs> I sound like a gangster. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm glad you said that because gangsters do show up in this story. Oh, cool. I've given I've given Holly a pillow to pound now. Yes. She's I guess very animated. I have a lot of passion about this story. <laughs> and apparently I have been so animated I have been pounding, pounding. the table with my <laughs> fists. <laughs> I think this is gonna be okay. okay. All it's right, much good. quieter now. Go pound go pound pillow, <laughs> Holly. Pound some sand go pound pillow. <laughs> I think if you build a jungle gym for them, they'll just play, play, play. I think having a cat circus is my calling. As long as there's bananas for the monkeys. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.